Welcome to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Visit heartstrong.life forward slash login to access the notes from today and all the benefits of our membership community. One to the two and two to the three. Let the world see the Holy Trinity. Let's become HeartStrong Disciples of Jesus together. Well, this morning, uh, I hope you're all doing well. um, I'm excited to be able to join you guys again uh, for for today and tomorrow. So we'll be it'll be me teaching today and tomorrow as well. And so uh, I'm excited. I hope you guys maybe had a chance to uh, already some of you maybe dive into Deuteronomy five and six. And um, I think it's so cool how God is repetitious and how he is so consistent to remind us and remind us and remind us of the things that we need to remember. And um, as we get into the morning, let's first uh, do our key verse Uh, again. Let's say this together. It's a long one this month, um, but I know the goal is to memorize it. And so let's uh, say this again together. Um, So it's Ephesians 1, 17 to 21. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and in knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? And uh, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. What an awesome verse that we have to memorize this month. Um, So much power in there. And uh, it's really neat. Um, Today, we're actually going to kind of focus on um, some of some of this as far as talking about what Christ did for us. Um, And so as we look at we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapters five and six today. And, um, you know, sometimes I think in the Old Testament, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I'm going to admit something here. Sometimes I read really fast through the things that I'm like, we just read this, you know, you just kind of, (laughs) you just kind of read through it super fast. Yep. 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 Got that. Got that. But I think, um, something that I'm often reminded of is to slow down as I dig into the word, because there's always something new for us. There's always something new. And so as we look at chapters five and six, it can seem like it's just kind of repetitious. We're going back over in chapter five, the 10 commandments. And then in chapter six, it's really sitting in that first commandment quite a bit. And so, um, but we want to take some time and kind of lean into it and sit in it. I know you guys have already gone through the 10 commandments. Um, so let's lean into this from um, a different angle. This is like the new generation ready to go into the promised land. And um As we look at chapter five, this is actually the launch of Moses's second sermon. 
um, cause Deuteronomy is a bunch of sermons. Like we, we found out yesterday, a bunch of sermons that three, three sermons, I believe that Moses gave to the Israelites before they went into the promised land, before he went off and, and parted from them and, and died, he gave these sermons to kind of go over everything again with them and make sure they were set to go into the promised land. And so chapter five is the start of his second sermon. And that sermon is super long. It goes all the way to chapter 26. So if you're ever sitting, you know, feeling a little like, oh my gosh, this is a long sermon at some point, you can remember this one and be like, it is not this, <laughs> it's not 19 chapters long. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, in chapter five, he goes over the covenant that, um, that Israel has with them by going th back through the uh, 10 commandments. And so what I want to focus on, uh, this morning is that covenant that was made with the Israelites and just kind of going over what a covenant is and things like that. And so, um, you'll see in verse one, it says here, Israel, let's read, uh, verse one to three in chapter five, it says, Moses summoned all Israel and said, here, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today, learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord, your, our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It is not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. And so um, in there, you said, you hear that he said here, and we're going to kind of revisit this, but this is a theme you're going to hear all through uh, this. He says here a hundred times in this sermon, the word here. And so we're going to kind of come back to that theme in a minute. Um, but what I want to sit in is the covenant that God made when he gave the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were part of this covenant. And um, I think it's important that we visit the idea of a covenant. Because a covenant is a word that like is said a lot in the Bible, but we don't really discuss our relationship with a God a lot through the lens of a covenant. And a covenant is actually a very important part of our relationship with God. And God made these covenant, this covenant with Israel, you know, when he, when he set up the 10 commandments through Moses and covenants have three parts to them. And you'll actually see it even today in legal documents. So when you go to buy a car, say you would see this in the contract that is written up. So a covenant has three parts. It has um, the terms or sorry, the preamble, right? The terms and then the outcome. And so the preamble would be if you were to buy a car, I, Mr. Jones, am entering into this contract with, say, you're buying it from Toyota, with Toyota. That's the preamble. So it's a declaring sort of who's involved in this. Then in the terms, it would say, you know, like, um, Mr. Jones will make these payments on this time, you know, for so many months, for so many years, right? And then the outcome is uh, Mr. Jones will become the owner of this car um, at the end of making all these payments. Um, and then the ownership will be transferred to him. But, but if he does not make these payments, if he does not meet the terms of this 
contract, you know, he forfeits the right to have that ownership. So when God made this covenant with Israel, he did the same thing, right? And you hear it. And when he says his preamble is, I am the Lord, your God who delivered you, right? So he's saying like, this is who I am. And the terms are the commandments, the things that he sets out, like you're going to live like this. The outcome is if you go all the way down to the bottom of Deuteronomy five, he says this, you go down to verse 32. So be careful that you do what the Lord, your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left, walk in obedience to all that the Lord, your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. So God says, follow these commands and you will live and prosper, you know, in this land. And so you can see sort of the uh, same layout. And so it's really cool that, you know, even from way back then, when God made this covenant, we could see that sort of set up, even in the way we relate to each other, when we hold each other to account. And so I want to watch a little video about the covenants of, of the Bible. I hope you guys haven't watched it again, but it's really good. Again, it's a Bible project. So I'm going to get um, that queued up and we're going to watch that together and then we'll continue on. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right, and this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. 
And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who was able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man, that Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who were becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. How beautiful is that? I love, I love when you see like the, the story that we're living in, in such a way that it's all brought together. And I find every time there's just this, I don't know, I get super excited and there's these aha moments in it of realizing how profound the story we're living in really is with Jesus, you know, and that we get to be a part of it, you know, over all this time. Uh, anyways, I could go on and on, but uh, as you can see, uh, covenants are so important in um, the story that God has placed us in and that we're in with him. And so when God made this covenant with Israel, and maybe you've gone over some of this already, but he, he took these commandments back in Exodus and he put them in the Ark of the Covenant, right? And this is where they were kept. And the incredible part is that as the, as that video showed you, the Israelites couldn't keep their covenant. It was all broken, but he made this 
um, ability to uh, find forgiveness even in that, right? Because the um, atoning sacrifice was made right there at the Ark of the Covenant. And so uh, he, he made it so that there was still access to him in spite of our brokenness, in spite of the fact that he knew we, you know, Israel wouldn't be able to meet these terms. They'd never be able to walk this out perfectly. And so this lamb was sacrificed once a year to, um, atone for all the brokenness, all the sin, all the brokenness in the way that Israel broke the covenant, um, right there at the Ark of the Covenant, right? As a, as a, as, um, because the Ark was like this witness to like, here's how you're supposed to be living. They didn't do it. So the lamb was then slain to shed its blood in order to atone for the brokenness there. And we see that then if you go and you see in the New Testament, Jesus comes, like it said in that video. He then fulfills every covenant that was made and becomes the perfect lamb that makes atonement for where we cannot, thus the new covenant. Okay. So I think it's so cool. So if you see in, uh, if you read in John 1 29, and again, in John 1 36, it says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so God set up in the sacrificial system that this lamb of atonement took on the sins and the brokenness of Israel and, and um, made a way to God still in the midst of breaking this covenant. Then Jesus comes and is the perfect lamb who then makes atonement for all people forever where we cannot keep our contract with God, where we cannot be perfect with him, where Israel couldn't do all the things he did it all and made a way for all of us then to be able to have access to God. How incredible is that? And I think what I never noticed until I started diving into this is the fact that that sacrifice of atonement was done right there at those covenants at that Ark of the covenant. So then it, it was such a, like, so it's such a statement, you know, it was, it was just right there all in one space. And so, um, I just wanted, I hope you see that even as we were talking about yesterday, you know, um, needing to, to make God one and, and walk this out and make him first priority. We can't keep any of the things that God calls us to perfectly, but he has made a way. And we have to keep coming back to the fact that Jesus makes a way much like Daryl was saying yesterday, you know, Jesus is the way that we have this relationship and this access to God. And so, you know, Deuteronomy should be this space where as we're reading it, we should be sitting here so in awe and so in worship of God, because we can see like the requirements that God is asking. And yet he still made a way knowing that we could never meet all these requirements. So as we read through Deuteronomy, as we um, look at all the things that God says, listen, this is how to live uh, with me and with people. Um, and even to the point of these are the things that are required to access me that he has made this way for us. So as we lean into this, I hope you are celebrating and worshiping as you read through this and not kind of bogged down in it, uh, but that your heart leaps as you read through it. So then as we've gone through chapter five, that's kind of basically, it's a revisit of the, con the contract or the covenant with God. And we go then into 
chapter six. And in chapter six, they, he, he sits, Moses sits on this first commandment. Okay. Basically that God has that you're not to worship anything above God. And in this chapter is the Shema. And I don't know if you've heard of the Shema or whatever, but this is this verse. Let's look at it. Then chapter six, if you pull up chapter six, verse three to five. Okay. Um, it says this again here, there's that word again, here, Israel, be careful to obey so that may go well with you, that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. Right. So again, um, that's the, the contract, the covenant here again, the word here, Oh, Israel, the Lord, your God, uh, the Lord is one love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And that should be very familiar because this is a verse that's used over and over and over again. And actually this is the Shema that says here, O, o Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And what the Shema is, is the prayer. This was pulled out and used as a prayer. It was said several times a day by the Israelites um, after this. And um, the word here in this um, is so significant. And I hope that you grab hold of this little word because it has profound power. The word here, let me just pull this up so I say it correctly, um, or listen in Hebrew means more than just sort of the physics that happen, you know, the sound going into your ears and your brain like interpreting it, but it's something so much more than this. It includes the idea of responding to what you're hearing and the response, like responding to God's grace and obeying the covenant. And so here isn't just like physically here and anybody who's a parent, you know, that, you know, when you say, can you hear me? It's not just like, you know, yes, I register that you're saying something. Can you hear me? Is like, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you taking this in? And are you prepared to respond? You know, and this is the meaning of here. And so when you see hear or listen from now on in the Bible, I hope you hear this because in Hebrew, it's meaning hear and respond hear and take this in and translate it into action in your life, translate it into heart transformation. And so again, like I said, here is related a hundred times during the second sermon. And so we're going to be hearing this word over and over and over again. So each time you hear it, I hope it rings a bell. I hope every time you hear, listen, or hear when you're reading or uh, when you're listening to it, you're like, great, you know, I need to be pausing here and allowing God to work, taking note of what's being said, ready to go into action. And so um, this Shema was a daily prayer, they said, uh, over and over and over again. And you'll actually see it when later in Mark 12, 29 to 30, feel free to pull it up if you want. Um, it, Jesus was asked, like, what is the greatest commandment? And this was his response. Uh, Mark 12, let me just pull it up here, 29. It says the most important one. So he'd been asked, you know, what is the most important commandment? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one, right? There's only one God. 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so, um, again, you just see the consistency of God and God bringing us back to the core of what he's trying to say all the time. And so um, you're going to see all the way through now that the 10 commandments basically are then sort of the benchmarkers as you go through the rest of the sermon of like, it's going to get broken down into all the other commandments. These are sort of the headings of, you know, what he's going to say from here on. Um, and so be looking for that word here and remember the Shema as we go through and all these rules are laid out and some of them may seem strange or you know, kind of, I don't, if you were in yesterday, there was a video we watched, you know, I like how it said, like, there's going to be things that you're not going to understand, you know, why would God require this, but, you know, take it back to this place of loving and trusting the Lord, your God, to the point of, of hearing him and allowing him to transform you to the point of remembering that Jesus came in and where we can't meet, where we're not that he made that atoning sacrifice so that we can work out our faith and allow him to transform us over time. And so as you read through Deuteronomy, as we read through it together, let it be a transformative work, not just a like, Hmm, look at all these rules and, you know, feeling like the weight of it. Um, rather let's revisit back over and over and over again to, as we feel the weight of all these things that are required to get to God, the perfection that he needs come back to Jesus making that sacrifice and then allow that transformative work as we sit under his grace, allowing him to transform us, to bring us into this space of being that holy people set apart for him. And so, uh, and doing it from a place of love for him and appreciation for him as his Holy Spirit says, listen, Ingrid, you know, like I need you to hear this and put this into action, being like, yes, Jesus, you loved me so much and met me before you, before I was born, before I was even a twinkling in my parents' eye, you met me in the midst of me not being able to meet this and then made a way, I will do whatever you ask. I will let you lead me wherever. I will let you call me into anything. And so um, my prayer is that as we read through Deuteronomy, this will be our heart's cry. This will be our response. This will be how we read it through this lens and not just see the rules as oppressive or heavy or hard. And so, um, so I hope that today, even as you hear that as we go through this, we see that the obedience truly does set us free because we're constantly filtering it through this place of grace and through this place of seeing God's love for us and then loving him in return with our obedience. Um, so, and that really no other God, you know, as we look at that first one that says like, don't put anything else above me. There's no other God could answer this deep need. No other God could send its son no other God could make this sacrifice. You know, the one true God sent his son, made this sacrifice, met this need. Nobody else could, nothing else can for us. Nothing else in our life can meet that deep need of grace 
And so let's pray and then uh, we can go into chatting together. I'd love to hear each of your hearts. Father God, you are so incredible. I sit in awe of you as I think of, um, you know, when you created us, you could have just washed your hands of us in the moment that we turned away from the perfection that you called us to and the relationship that you called us to. You could have just walked away. You could have just like, you know, kind of just scrumpled it all up and started again, but you didn't. Instead, you have walked with us hand in hand through grace and offered, created spaces for us to come back to you. The most loving, kind father, so clearly declaring your expectations and yet meeting us in the midst of us, not doing it, whether we're not able or unwittingly, whatever it is, God, you, you met us in the midst of this. And I am so grateful. And God, I pray that as we read through Deuteronomy and actually every part of your word, our hearts are set on fire with awe and reverence and love for you. As we read the story that we are part of because it is profound. And Holy Spirit, we give you all access to every part of our lives as we read through Deuteronomy. Touch the things in our lives that we hold on to. Put your finger on the things that we need to let go of or ask for forgiveness for or turn away from. And so God, I thank you. I thank you that you are constantly working at our salvation with us and leading us to new uh, better places, and more freedom in our lives. Uh, and thank you for your deep patience for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Have you become an official member of our HeartStrong community? Visit heartstrong.life and click membership to sign up. Once you've registered, you will receive an email with links and tips for how to engage everything that HeartStrong has to offer. As a member, you will have access to so much incredible discipleship content found on the members page, such as all of our weekly Bible study events, a monthly training plan with disciplines and practices and discipleship questions to help guide you on your discipleship journey. We also have our most recent Bible study video, all of our teacher Bible study notes, and an on-demand video archive of all of our Bible studies that we have ever done. And lastly, every month, we create and curate content to encourage you on your discipleship journey. So what are you waiting for? Visit heartstrong.life and join today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together. One, two, three.